The Startup to Scale Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. My guest today is uh, Nicola Edmeyer, who three years ago co-founded Game.pro, a European fintech looking to become the Bloomberg of the private finance market. Uh, they've already amassed a stellar list of reference clients like Bain, McKinsey, 3i, and BCG. Not that going for such a young company. So uh, Nicola, welcome to the Startup to Scale Up game plan. Thank you very much for having me, Gary. Uh, lovely to have you on board. Now, Simon Sinek believes in the power of starting with why. So let's start there. Nicola, tell me about Gain.pro's why, your purpose and your vision. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Maybe I'm taking a step back. So I myself uh, come from an entrepreneurial background. My mom used to be the owner and CEO of a machinery business for the agricultural industry. So very different compared to the fintech SaaS world I'm in now, but um, at the same time, she was uh, even given the differences in industry, a role model for me since the beginning. So basically, since I was a baby, a couple of uh, days after I was born, I spent my days at my mom's desk at her company, because like back then there was no such thing as uh, maternity leave for her. So since being a few days old, I was used to being part of a business. I was overhearing my mom talking to the engineers about new product innovations. I heard her discussing with the accounting about like the, the financial plans, about the budgets. I was always impressed by her talking to clients and adapting to their different needs. Like it was very different when she was uh, talking to a small farmer in the south uh, of, of Munich, so, so in Bavaria, where I, where I grew up, compared to like one of these international Asian players. And I was just um, fascinated by, by her life, uh, how she was uh, doing it. And I knew at one point I want to have my own company as well. I want to create something. But I also knew that I still had to, to learn a lot before I could be a skilled entrepreneur and before I could actually lead people. That's why I decided to, to first study. I studied uh, at uh, many universities, very international. Another point that drives me in life are people, are different cultures, learning new things. So this was uh, my studies uh, were a great opportunity for that. and then. I started my career at McKinsey, which was uh, another decision I haven't been regretting a second. It's an amazing place to learn again, to meet uh, amazing people, both, of course, uh, talented people, colleagues uh, internally, but also the clients uh, I work with, they inspired me. They made me grow as a person. And um, yeah, I, I had an extremely good time there, but then over the years, the voice became louder again, telling me my purpose in this life should be to yeah, found my own company and create something. 
So I knew I want to start something, but then I also knew a couple of more things about that. And that was one, I wanted to create a company that really solves a problem. I did not want to start a company just for the purpose of starting it, maybe as a check mark on my CV, but really, really bringing value to society. And the second one was I wanted to have a company that has a clear path towards profitability. A company where from the start on there's a vision on how we will make money, how the economics will make sense. So these two points I always had in mind. And then one day I was uh, sitting with uh, uh, Frister Havemann, who then became my co-founder, and he was working back then in, in, in private equity. And I was at that time with McKinsey um, working for, for a PE client. And we were discussing how difficult it still is to find high quality information on private companies and uh, how tedious it is, how much manual work it is. And we were saying, if there wasn't a digital tech-enabled solution for it, it would make the lives of thousands of people so much easier. And yeah, well, this was the second when GainPro was founded, the idea to build GainPro, the first market intelligence platform for private companies. So it's interesting to hear the family background there and I can relate to that. A lot of entrepreneurs I speak to have some kind of family links. I myself, as a young teenager, watched my brother who had his own business repairing TVs and videos build his business up. And I used to, um, even from the age of about 12 or 13, I used to take calls and book appointments for him when people phoned in and occasionally deal with very angry customers. So I got used to the the customer satisfaction angle of running a business as well, which is uh, super important. And actually, that's the the next topic I wanted to explore with you. GamePro has really impressive retention and customer satisfaction metrics. Have you managed to scale at 100% year on year and at the same time deliver an exceptional customer experience? Yeah, so for us, it was always the customers first. So basically, like also, if we look at our code of working, there we have three elements, starting with uh, delighting our clients determines our actions. People are our greatest asset, and we run a sustainable business model. And then coming to the client, so for me, it was always about building a problem that solves the pain points of my clients and not building a product that we as a team like to build. Because I can tell you, it's very, very tempting to work on things that you personally find interesting, that the tech team or the engineers find exciting, but you need to be very disciplined to always get you back and say, hey, what is it what my customer wants? And this includes, of course, what helps is that both uh, my co-founder, I, but also the broader leadership team, they all have worked uh, in the industry themselves, either private equity, investment banking, or consulting. But it involves also talking a lot to clients and prospects and being very, very open to feedback and uh, not taking the feedback as 
some kind of insult, but really saying feedback is a gift and asking the whys and truly understanding what's on top of mind for the client and how we can how we can help them. So this is uh, one of our core values and it helped us um, to have yeah, grow more than 100% year on year. Our clients are extremely happy. We have an uh, NPS of uh, 63. Industry average uh, is around 30 for other B2B software businesses in this uh, space. And uh, people stay with us. So net revenue retention of 136 is um, the latest figures for last year. So people, they stay and then they even expand their license. Um, first people tried in one country and then they recommend it to their colleagues in another office. And it's just it's just amazing if um, yeah, you build a product that your clients love. But it's work every day to really make sure you focus on your client and 100% on your clients and nothing else. I'm intrigued by that point about making sure you build what the clients really want rather than what you and especially your more techie colleagues, the engineering teams want to build. Software businesses are notorious for having overcome that challenge and the engineers often want the shiniest new toys and want to create things that are totally over-engineered for what the market wants. So how do you get beyond the, say, the people who have the regular interface to customers, how are you getting the engineering teams to really focus on what the customers want rather than what they'd love to build? It's a good question. So in general, we have a very transparent business culture. That's another one of our values. We really share openly with the entire organization on a continuous basis and okay what's what's the vision where we're we currently working on what are our priorities but also what are what are our, our financials what is client feedback good but also we tell the bad and the ugly we also did so at the time when when when, when corona started for instance being very very open and transparent in taking the entire team along the journey, including our engineers. And um, our engineers are it's an amazing team, many of whom have been with the game pro since day one. So started back in 2018. By now, they've also built a lot of domain uh, knowledge. So I love uh, overhearing them speak about EBITDA and uh, about uh, growth and assets and sweet spots. So they have adopted a lot of the client language um, already, but um, we spend a lot of time also with, with them and really like guiding them through what our clients like, telling them about use cases. So we do share a lot of stories that we hear from the client again with them. So not only taking it within the commercial team or within the leadership team, but we're like openly sharing it as well, as well with the with the engineers so that they understand why. I think everyone always needs to understand why they are doing things. And then and then yeah, it uh, gets also into their DNA and that gets them building these amazing new features that our clients love. I'm impressed that you've got even your engineers talking about EBITDA. That's the first time I've come across that. <laughs> now, you mentioned the pandemic just a few moments ago for 
between half and maybe more like two thirds of the life of GamePro you've existed during the pandemic. During that time, we've experienced a big shift towards remote and hybrid working models. There's talk of a great resignation. Employees are increasingly choosing companies based around culture and personal growth opportunities. How has GamePro responded to these various developments? Yeah, so I can vividly remember that moment in March, um, now two years ago. I was actually back at my hometown in Bavaria. I was about to go skiing, very excited uh, for that. And then, yeah, suddenly within basically hours, our commercial agenda went from being very full to completely empty. We, at that point, have already been on an aggressive growth uh, journey opened uh, back then just a huge office uh, in London. And yeah, from one day to the other, uh, there was a big question mark of uh, where where would we be going? And uh, it was uh, all hands uh, on deck. Again, very transparent towards the organization. We also did not know where this would be going, but um, immediately we looked, okay, how much uh, cash do we still have left? how many days, luckily fast, it was a month of runway. And then very quickly went from this, I'm assessing where I'm standing now to how can I take action and again, serve my clients even in this time of a worldwide pandemic. So we moved away from actively demoing our platform, selling to them, thinking what is it what they need at the moment. And uh, one thing we did is was we were looking at or analyzing um, the industries and looking where are clusters that might be hit the most, so which might be in need for additional financing and which are other segments, industries where the pandemic could even have like a positive effect. Like think about uh, many tech businesses that uh, support remote working, for instance. So we made the shift and said, okay, how can we be helpful now? How can our data be helpful? We shared a lot of analysis that we did for free with clients, but also prospects. And um, in the aftermath, they were extremely grateful. Also like a couple of months uh, later, the, the, the commercial calendars were filled again with an exceptional year in um, in 2020, 2021 as well. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, still sort of pandemic grow more than 100%. So it bounced back quickly, but it was our first reaction. And then in terms of how did it influence our way of working? So already before the pandemic, we were HQ less, digital focused and remote first. So we already, before the pandemic, had the mindset that um, you don't need to physically sit together every day and have this FaceTime culture in order for people to be productive. The other way around, like we trust our people. We believe that people flourish if they have freedom and if they can structure the way in a way that is most in line with their lifestyle. 
So we had before uh, the pandemic engineers sitting um, in Austria during the winter so that they could go skiing. And um, that was for us yeah, in our in our DNA as of day one. Now more and more people are, of course, doing it. But we stay we stayed with this um, uh, remote um, opportunity, so to say, because we also do have um, office spaces across Europe, in Amsterdam, in London, Frankfurt, Paris, and Warsaw. So people can go to the office if they want to. They don't have to. But we do believe in getting people together on a regular basis. So we have four times per year, we have um, firm-wide events where we bring really everyone together. It's uh, always uh, in a different country, in a different location. And uh, that's always uh, a lot of fun. Of course, we talk strategy and we talk content, but it's also just about like having a beer with another colleague from another country with another in another um, function. So because, yeah, it's uh, not only about business. It's also about having fun as a team. And what are some of the amazing locations you brought everyone together to have fun? Of course, Amsterdam is always a great location where people like uh, like to come. It's yeah, you have the the wonderful canals um, where we have had um, some nice uh, boat tours. But then this winter we were supposed to have our Christmas uh, dinner in Warsaw, amazing place uh, booked. Unfortunately, that we had to, to reschedule, so this will happen now now in spring. But then, um, yeah, many other many other locations across um, Europe as well that we've been to already. You've raised mostly from a very wealthy family office. Did you make a conscious choice to avoid VC funding initially? And do you have any plans to bring VCs onto your cap table in the future? So I'm very grateful that we got the opportunity to get funding early on. Because what it meant for us is that as of second one, we could focus purely on building a great product that our clients love. So we initially, that was also our idea when we started off, we said we don't want to go with the VC immediately, but we want to try to get funded privately or through a family office. So that we can really spend the focus on the business and not on a huge fundraising process and consequently on a lot of reporting. So this was a very, very conscious decision that we made uh, at the start. And then the, the our angel investor with his family office also continued to support us along the journey. Now, where we see the huge success that we are, that we are having we know that we want to become a um, global huge player in the market. And in order to grow to yeah, material size, we will need more funding along the way. And this will very likely be also then uh, out of scope of the family office. And um, it will be in partnership um, with a VC. So we are currently in yeah, early discussions friendly first conversations with VCs who have already showed, uh, shown a lot of interest, especially being impressed by our growth, but also by our capital efficiency. Um, another metrics I mentioned at the beginning, very important for me and my co-founder that we have unit economics that makes sense 
clear paths towards profitability. Yes, in the upcoming months, we will very likely get a VC investor on board uh, to further help us grow, to enter into the US and to uh, mainly scale our engineering team. I know a few VCs who uh, obsess over unit economics and capital efficiencies, so I'm sure they'll be um, reaching out to you soon if they haven't, haven't already. Now, founding and scaling a software venture is notoriously stressful. You seem pretty calm and relaxed here today, but how do you find time to relax and truly switch off from work? So, first of all, work is not really work for me. Maybe that's uh, how I was raised, but I truly enjoy working. I love getting up uh, in the morning. I'm an early bird, by the way. So I get up, I have a lot of energy. I, I'm i about to, yeah, just uh, about to get uh, the day started and uh, start building on the product, uh, talking to clients, being with my team. So I really, I really enjoy that part. But of course, you also need, need balance in life. And uh, for me, I find it in doing sports and being in nature. So, and the best is uh, if I can combine those two. So I love hiking, did the Tour de Mont Blanc last summer, which was amazing. Just a seven days, 10K in, in, in altitude uh, meters, being out there, having time to reflect. Being in nature is also very humbling if you, if you then see these mountains and uh, what nature can do and how small you are in this in this universe. I'm also a big skier, sailor, a diver. Yeah, if you if you want to make me happy and uh, get my get my mind put on something else, then it's getting me out of nature and making me active. And uh, then I come back being even more zen again. <laughs> with the sailing the hiking the skiing the diving it sounds like you could be in the next <laughs> bond movie so uh, we'll see if that's your your next uh, your next adventure in life getting away from hollywood are there any entrepreneurs or business thinkers who've inspired you with their philosophies or with their business journeys so I said um, before that I get inspired by people in in general that I really enjoy meeting new people. And for me, it's mainly meeting and talking to people from real life. I mean, of course, like we we all follow the the big entrepreneurs, the founders of Google, Facebook. Tesla of this world, but I get the most inspiration out of uh, talking to people who went through similar journey, because this is where I can relate most to. And it's these like honest conversations, also about things that sometimes don't go well, moments where you feel insecure, moments where you think you are, you are failing. And this I can best um, discuss with um, yeah, founding peers, but also with people who haven't founded, uh, founded a, a company yet, but just like experience similar things by managing a team, for instance. Okay, that's interesting. So you get your inspiration from being amongst, shall we say, normal people rather than listening to someone like Steve Jobs or Bezos and their. Um, their philosophies on life and on business. Yeah, 
Yeah, and of course, like I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm sitting now, now at, at my desk. I have uh, many, many of these like business books and uh, how to. I think that's all. That's also important. But then there's also like the the now and here and the the humble yeah starting point. And uh, I think we can all just by looking around meet like like close to us um, meet and see a lot of people we can learn from like we don't necessarily always need to look very far to get inspired and to learn you come across really really grounded which um is quite refreshing i often speak to um <laughs> to to your peers in the world of tech entrepreneurship who seem to be completely carried away uh, with the world they think they've joined, but you seem uh, very steady and uh, and grounded, which is great, uh, great to hear. Lovely having you on the show, Nicola. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's podcast. And I'd like to wish you and the whole GamePro team huge success over the next few years. Thank you very much, Gary. It was great speaking to you today. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent.